<laughs> Hold on, time out, time out. We we gotta we gotta do better in the future, I guess, about like just saying a couple days ago or something. Because <laughs> when, when we release this, it's not gonna be like this happened today. <laughs> this route, this basketball okay. rally. It's a it, no, it's, it doesn't matter for. I mean, well, we could. Our date point stamp isn't gonna it, get you know what's that? <laughs> we Wolverine. could just do a date stamp like the NPR politics spot. Like we're recording oh. this at. <laughs> this time on this day, you know, actually, somebody different. had suggested that a long time ago, but anyway, that's for something else. Anyway. You are listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chuck Williams. Joining me in Nebraska is Brendan Williams. Brendan, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going great. Uh, it seems like only weeks ago that we were here talking about the government shutdown. Oh, wait. It was <laughs> oh. weeks ago. <laughs> and here we are again, <laughs> as always. And as always, joining us in Arlington, Texas, is the great Matthew Hodges. Matt, how's it going, dude? I'm good. I, I'm a little disappointed now because I was going to say, oh, man, I'm getting excited for... I've been seeing everybody talking about Black Panther. Looking forward to seeing that this week. But no, apparently it's next week, so... Um, oh, yeah. Next okay. week. Next week, I'll, I'll have a good thing to, to lead in with. Yeah, man. Don't let those Super Bowl commercials fool you. That shit ain't out yet. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us again on the show is repeat guest and friend of the show. Senior uh-huh. Chicago short Senior. Absolutely. <laughs> Megan. It's me. Welcome back, Megan. How are you? Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging in there. Doing his, awesome. Doing the best I can. That's all we do on the show is the best we can. <laughs> and the best we can is always good enough. So, getting getting so better. So let's give it our best fact. on some top. What's that? Getting better, I think. Oh yeah, getting better better every week. Yeah, I mean the news the news can get pretty dark, but we tr- we try to keep it fun. You know, it's tough sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. And and speaking of keeping it fun, I think uh, pretty much this whole show is about various Nazis around the country, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you did not see that coming. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be a bunch drum. of bad Nazi jokes. Yeah. You know. We're not ha- we're not happy about it. It's right. not it's not great. But yeah, we're not a bunch of Indiana Jones writers. You know, so. <laughs> uh, Nazis. I hate these guys. <laughs> but um, I don't know. We may go into it. It seems to be happening on a local basis from Nebraska to Illinois. So it's worth a mention or two. And uh, of course, we'll try to find a way to go out on a high note. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Which which Nazis do we want to talk about first? <laughs> All right. Well, here here so I can I can lead in yeah. I can lead in on something a little bit. Lighter, you lead right? in. Okay. So there was there was this article from the Lincoln Journal Star about um, you know in Nebraska you can be awarded an admiralty uh, in the oh, in yeah. the Nebraska yes, Navy. Yes. And we've been following for Courtney a couple of got months. It. Yeah, we, we've been following this yes. this story about professors versus Turning Point USA on the Uni- University of Nebraska at Lincoln campus. Who uh, two of these professors were awarded their admiralties? Pete Ricketts signed off on it in January, 
And then um, they they both went and spoke against uh, this free speech code piece of legislation that's trying to go through the legislature right now. And Pete Riggett's rescinded their their admiralship. So right. Um, well, and what is but like, they admiralship? So in the Nebraska, you can be nominated. Yeah, in in the Nebraska legislature, it's just one of those things where it's like if they want to like honor a person, they give them this like fake title of like an admiral in the Nebraska Navy because Nebraska is like a landlocked state. We don't have a right. navy. There's no bodies of water or whatever. Right. So it's yeah. kind of a joke, but it's kind of just like, hey, thanks for like service to the state. And right. so he revoked this completely meaningless thing because some professors spoke oh out God. against That's him trying to shit. trample <laughs> him trying to trample on free speech rights mm. on universities well, in the guise of supporting free speech or whatever. But here's yeah. the thing, here's the thing about it was that they had already this was after the whole free speech incident happened on the UNL campus. Right. And they were nominated by I think the guy's the guy's last name is Grabo or uh yeah, Grabo, which is ironic because I know his brother's daughter. <laughs> okay. She okay. Works, niece. She works with me. And there's not very many Grabos in town. But Grabo knew Courtney from this uh, Nebraskans Against Guns or something uh, group, like anti-gun group, nominated them because of this free speech incident stuff and for some reason it was a complete oversight you know pete ricketts and them just signed off on it without realizing who it was it's right. because it's meaningless right. yeah it's, it's because right. nobody cares thing. because it's meaningless and because he doesn't even know you know <laughs> right. but well once he my, realized what it was right or who my favorite it was my favorite Court- part about the whole thing is that he won't even come out and say like, oh, I'm just doing this because like, I don't like those people. He was like, there was a clerical error. Yeah, it, it never <laughs> should have been awarded in the first place. But the clerical error was he didn't look at what he was signing because he cares <laughs> about this. That thing. was the clerical error. Like the clerical error was my freaking eyes, you know, like that's, <laughs> that was the problem there. I mean, because honestly, I remember I, I was uh, following Courtney at the time and she was like, I received the admiralty to the Nebraska Navy. What the heck? I mean, this is in the midst of her being bombarded with hate messages, you know, all the time right. over that free speech incident. <laughs> oh, so and she thought she like, had some some friend in the Nebraska state legislature who was like, some, okay, you're, you're doing all this stuff, I don't know. but, you know, we're still going to give you this this ceremonial title. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know what she thought. I mean, right. but it was weird to her because, yeah. It's probably pretty disorienting all around, I bet. Right. <laughs> yes. Anyway, this is all coming back up now about how 
the whole like we shouldn't allow political speech on campus, you know, and we should restrict that. And, you know, conservatives have a right to express their views. And the all this these people on the right think that somehow because college is about like learning things and learning new experiences that they're like, yeah. We are being discriminated against because we just want to like do the thing that we always did and not learn stuff. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a charitable read, I suppose. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's well, and I, quite a way this to this was that. this this really made a splash on Twitter today with uh, one of the one of the people at Kent State University who participated in the Turning Point USA, like, diaper protest, where they all dressed oh, up in diapers, I, uh, I tweeted, tweeted a thing today that was, uh, this conservative student's essay got marked down because they said that kneeling for, kneeling for the national anthem was the same thing as disrespecting the flag, and they got marked down for it. And then you read this three-page essay, and it's like something that maybe a middle schooler would have written, I mean, oh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's uh, this is in a two hundred level writing class, and it's 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 a terrible thesis. It's not backed up by evidence. They undo their right. own argument in the the penultimate paragraph by saying, "Look, this is a country based on protest, but you know, it's it's you know you you can't take that freedom for granted by by kneeling for the flag." And so the uh, the prof rightfully marked that down. Like, look. <laughs> A, you were talking about the national anthem, not the flag. And B, you're undoing your entire argument when you say this. But, of course, all of the the Turning Point USA people are still all up in arms over, you know, this is just more evidence of ideological bias or whatever. Yeah, Marxist professors, you know, marking down conservative students. Right. Right. Well, now you've got a student at the University of Nebraska named Daniel Cleave, who has been actively involved in the alt-right movement, you know, over the last year, maybe two years or so. Not just actively involved. We're not talking about a guy who posts, like, Pepe memes uh, under every time Donald Trump tweets. Like, he went to the Charlottesville rally. He was at those... um, (laughs) And there's pictures of him beating a dude with a flashlight at the rally. yeah. In the same oh. group, like, as the person that killed Heather Heyer. Um, so, yeah, yeah he's there. Right. There's a photo of him in a group in Tennessee that ended up on video attacking an interracial couple in a bar, outside of a bar. That's indisputable, you know. Um, yeah. All of these right. things. And now the latest is there's a video of him on a skinhead podcast that's, like, two hours long. A group of anti way, way too activists. long for any skinhead podcast. I mean, seriously, how much could oh, they possibly sure. have to talk about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> they if they're talking about how many teeth the host was missing, they've got a lot to talk about, trust me. Uh, <laughs> you know, let, let's just say he's from Angola, Indiana. But anyhow. We, 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 uh, we try to avoid classism on this show. Yeah, don't yeah, dental and we try shame. to avoid body shaming, too. Don't so, dental shame you know. my podcast, Chuck. Seriously, seriously, I'm out there for all my toothless peoples, you know, so, uh, but anyhow, this I had braces for like five years, I'm offended. Right, (laughs) right. I think that's stealing valor, Brendan, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. 
So, you know, this local group of anti-fascists put up a condensed video just highlighting points where he says, you know, I would like to commit violence, but now is not the right time. That kind of thing. Um, And some neo-Nazi talking about I mean, he went farther than that. He was like, I love violence. I am ready to commit violence, but, like, we got to wait until (laughs) we have all of the power, and then we can commit, like, all of the the violence and, like, do what must be done or whatever, which is like, okay, like, yeah, that's that's pretty explicit, like, what this what this guy is saying. Yeah, right, right. Well, and so, you know, the university has been made aware of him each time these things surface. He was on the Anti-Defamation League's uh, list of people to watch out for. Every time his name surfaces or his picture surfaces at one of these high-profile events, the university gets notified. And the chancellor was notified. There's a big uproar this time around. I think uh, was it Sean King on Twitter yep. you know, started circulating the video. It started getting some big, big traction. And the university's like, you know, um, we hear you out there. We're not going to suspend Dan because of First Amendment. Um, yeah. Wow. So they yeah, say it was. Kinda- I mean, the same kind of mealy mouth thing that they always do, which is, you know, this this campus is committed to diversity and the safety of every student, and you know, it makes it. You know, uh, like we're also committed to ideological uh, diversity and, mm. you know, making sure that the the they, they didn't mention him in the letter at all. They just said, you know, we, we want to make sure that every voice can be heard on campus, you know. And that we're aware of the situation. I mean, the crazy thing is, and this is the part, like, I wouldn't necessarily say, okay, you got to kick this kid off of campus, but... They removed Courtney from the classroom, and they said it was for her safety and for the safety of the students. This dude has a gun. This dude was part of a group that killed somebody, has members of its group on attempted murder charges for discharging a weapon in Florida at a bunch of protesters during a white li- during a Richard Spencer speech at the university. Right. I mean, there is clear links to violence all around him including violence he's participated in and they're like well he's got free speech mm-hmm. and you know we need to wait until look- he kills someone or, <laughs> right yeah then yeah. we'll, then we'll see we'll him, assess the know? facts yeah. you know well and this is this is the depressing thing so i did a little bit of research uh a, a little bit of legal background on the issue here um so University of Nebraska obviously is a publicly funded university, which means that it is subject to the Bill of Rights, including First Amendment. And there are these very narrow exceptions to the First Amendment. The main ones that apply to this case are uh, fighting words. So you're actually up in someone's face and you say something in the heat of heat of the moment that would reasonably provoke a, a violent response or incitement to violence which is also very narrowly tailored you can't just say i'm in favor of violence i'm in favor of you know people making threats to uh people of color or lgbt students or anything like that it has to be you know get on your phones right now and start sending hate messages or go out there and start killing you know beating people up it 
and and that makes it really difficult. It it does put the university in a constitutionally difficult position. As 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 much as we can talk about the morality of allowing that kind of speech on a public campus, it puts them in a really difficult legal position to come up with any kind of speech code that could cover the just general. Uh, like non-specific bigotry, uh, as disgusting not, as this guy is, we're talking. But that's the thing: we're not talking about that. We're talking about what he's actually done. Like, there's evidence of those things, and so I feel like the what has to be done is have attention brought to that because I know that in Tennessee, the woman that got punched by a bunch of Nazis lawyered up and was going to press charges probably didn't get introduced to the Nazis that were fighting her, you know. <laughs> right. But there has to be that kind of coordination because that does fall into I mean violence is a part of the code of conduct in the handbook and if you're committing violence off of the hand or off of campus, you still would be subject to disciplinary actions on campus. Okay, and violence yeah, so, is no, a that- crime. That's right. It's not protected by the Constitution. That's what that's what the student code of conduct already says. And it does say I, I actually read the student code of conduct today. I think that's I've been to nice. three, four, no, five <laughs> different colleges and have never read a student code of conduct until today. But <laughs> Yeah, dude. Um Well so, it's like instructions. You don't read your instructions for your video games, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it, it does say that the student code shall apply to blah 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 be off university premises, if the conduct is determined by the dean of students to adversely affect the university community, its members, its reputation, or the pursuit of its objectives, and one of the violations listed is physical abuse, verbal abuse, threats, intimidation, harassment, coercion, and or other contact that threatens other conduct that threatens or unreasonably endangers the mental or physical health, safety, or reputation of you you get the picture. So, right. so yeah. That, so re- in the student code, in the student code, it is. I mean, he did commit violence. There's video of him committing violence off of campus. He was enrolled at the time, so it is a university code violation. My concern is that, as applied, that may not be constitutional. Well, well and also, what about the fact that people are saying things like. Well, if you actually do kick him out, you're just playing into his hand because that's what he wants because it's just going to get him more attention and he's going to be able to get up on his high horse and say, I'm the victim here. He's yeah. in a win-win situation either way because he's he feels like he's the winner right now because he's like, this is a victory for the alt-right and for free speech on college campuses and that we have a right to be here. And that's fine because the university is saying, you have a right – it's kind of like we're not going to prosecute you for going on drug tourism to go to Colorado for the weekend. We're not going to prosecute we're not going to discipline you for going on racist tourism where you fly out of state. I mean, you <laughs> just read in that handbook in the code of conduct that it included harassment and intimidation. And right. w- while he was in Tennessee at a White Lives Matter rally and while he was there harassing and intimidating an interracial couple they also went to the antioch church that was shot up by i guess it was like an immigrant or a person of color or something like a refugee and they were intimidating people that had just endured you know a mass shooting a month ago right like that has to count like all of those things 
you're it's tipping the scale and every every liberal out there is gonna be like dude we have got to let him just kill a person you know because that's the only thing the con the constitution allows it and, comes and that's cool but you know it comes to they have they have all the the capacity to do this it comes down to who they're more afraid of and they're more afraid of the people in power the the republicans and the like the people who are funding like they're more afraid of the nazis and they or or they're their interests are aligned and they want to well, right. they it's not they're afraid of the Nazis, but they're also they're, secretly on the side yes. of the Nazis. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, yeah. the thing is, it's like, at, at least with the university, it's easy to give some graduate teaching assistants some bullshit answer and say, oh, no, it's not you. It's just the safety thing. It's we're not mad. We're kind of mad, but it's more about safety. And it truly isn't because no not. one's flashing guns. You know, no one was doing anything other than flipping people the bird. This and they're like, well, but that wasn't polite discourse. Yeah. Well, there's nothing in the Constitution about polite discourse. They're like, we know, but you know, I right. mean, they and I wanna... get it. I get it. It's a different. It's a different argument. But at the same time, they know that one is a clear danger, mm -hmm. or at least a significantly higher danger than the other, and they're just kind of they value just one using... set of lives more than the other. <laughs> Yeah. Well, of course. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I. Go. I don't know. I don't know you guys because I. I obviously don't want to see Dan Cleave on any Nebraska campus or any campus ever, for that matter. But I think that it's not as simple as the administration of the University of Nebraska agrees with white supremacists. I think what they're actually afraid of is lawsuits. And right. Right. That's because because Chuck, when you say. I, I agree with you. Morally, I agree with you that the behavior that he's engaged in absolutely constitutes threats, harassment, and violence. And when it goes to court, those all become legal questions. And you've got to have a lawyer who's going to be – you've got to pay a lawyer to be in the courtroom and say, look, no, this does satisfy the narrow exceptions to the First Amendment that would allow us to prohibit this guy from, from exercising his free speech. There. Right. So now it's it's not about having a constitutional argument. It's about having money because, mm -hmm. again, this is what this process comes down to. And, sure. And yep. the whole reason that they're not doing anything is because they're afraid that these conservatives yep. are going to come back and say, well, we're not going to send our kids to your school anymore. Or and they want those kids to come, <laughs> you know. And, so. or, they, or they're going to get caught up in this legal battle because all this shit is funded by fucking – Coke brothers and and whoever yeah. else is behind. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, not the telling Coke black and the people to and insulate the themselves, yeah. but I would go to any other school than Nebraska. I mean, you and a look. There's going to be racists at every school in America. Every public school is going to have conservatives, alt right, and not conservatives as racist, but there's going to be every spectrum of the right, including racists and the alt right. Don't go to. You know, if you have to go to a public school in Nebraska, don't go to Nebraska. Just go to Omaha, you know. I mean, at least then there's a little bit more diversity and a little bit Backbone. less of, of – Well, a little bit less of a reason to express yourself other than to study and get your grades and get out. I mean, sure. that's 
That's de- you know, people go to Lincoln for that college experience to stay in the dorms and, you know, back to the days of panty raids and bullshit, you know, like that's what they went to Lincoln for. And a lot of people that I knew when I was going to college would go for a year, party out and then come back to Omaha and go to UNO or something. Right. But you don't have to go. You can go to other places and get a college experience right in the city of Omaha. Yeah, or sure. elsewhere. You don't have to go to a bullshit place that's going to bend over backwards for, you know, these kind of students, but then also at the same time, make life harder for any professor that would actually have your back in a public discourse, because, you know, they're afraid of the possibility that they're confronting someone that might be in their lecture hall, like a semester away, you know, sure, that kind of bullshit. The Republicans have their hands tied. And it's fine, you know, I wouldn't give any money to that place. It's trash, you know, fuck it. So yeah. well, that's and, where I'm and, at on it well right said. now. And we we even saw that at the end of the the Lincoln Journal Star article that, that kind of blew up was a student saying, I just don't want the hassle of knowing that this guy is around. I'm I'm just gonna go to UNO, I guess. Um right. but I, I do have I do have a little bit of uh kind of cool news here uh on the topic before we take a break that uh just tonight um corn nation is that it oh oh no okay so it's a it's through sb nation but it's the like the huskers channel um headline nebraska basketball protest white nationalists on unl campus and it looks like um they had a a rally today demonstrating the students had a rally today demonstrating their disapproval of the administration being so mealy-mouthed and intransigent on this issue. And a, a good portion of the UNL basketball team showed up, including the coach, who said, like, I'm not here being political, but I did want to support my guys, which is tacitly saying, like, I'm here for the protest, I guess. Um, and a whole bunch of them also took to Twitter uh, with the the very simple message, hate will never win. So that's that's pretty Except cool. Except I mean, it wins all the time. Yeah. Sounds like we need to expel all those people immediately for inciting a riot. <laughs> right. Hey. Well, let's let's take a break and then yeah. uh, talk talk about more Nazis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we could do that. Looking forward to it. It never ends. From the creator of an American tale. You're in need of adventure. Wow. Whatever you imagine. All is possible. 20th Century Fox presents Macaulay Culkin as you've never seen him before. Look at this place! On a fantastic journey into a land of endless wonders where he'll scale the heights of the world's greatest adventures. Ruby Dick! Mississippi Treasure Island! And bring back the ultimate prize. You've got to fight to make a wish come true. That's it, boy! His own courage. Yes! Macaulay Culkin. You're the greatest. Christopher Lloyd. triumph here and always. This Thanksgiving, take your family to a world beyond imagination. The Page Master. All right. So the question is... If you could choose any book to be required reading at any level you think is appropriate, what would it be? At the high school level. Sure. Let's go with high school. I'm going to go last on this. I'm going to troll people on this. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) I mean, I I liked reading weird shit 
in world literature class. So To Kill a Mockingbird is is great. And I read it in school and it was great. The Count of Monte Cristo, I read it in school and it was great. The Stranger by Albert Camus. Oh, that one changed my life. Mine too. I love <laughs> that book. That's my See? Man. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> well, I'll go I'll go for hard sure. for to Kill a Mockingbird because it, it seems like there's not a whole lot of love lost among this group for that book, but I think you would be hard-pressed to find a book that is so accessible to a young adult audience that also has the intense themes running through it that are built up through the entire mm-hmm. thing and have a payoff. Uh, everything is effectively resolved in that book, not in terms of plot, but in terms of the, the way an American novel is structured. And also mm-hmm. the political content of the book is incredibly important history for any high schooler, particularly yeah. people who live in the North who don't have the situational history of that sort of institutional racism, or at least wouldn't be aware of it the way that maybe kids in the South would be. Mm. And it kind of highlights the childhood of Truman Capote as well, because isn't he represented by Dill or whatever? Yeah, that's right. Harper Lee and Truman Capote worked very closely on both that book and the one that he's probably most famous for, which is In Cold Blood. Yeah. To the extent where people have said that she actually did most of the research for In Cold Blood and he wrote the narrative, whereas she did most of the background and story construction for to kill a mockingbird and he did a bunch of the writing on that oh wow um it's it's pretty clear if you read to kill a mockingbird and in cold blood that you've got a team of minds working on this kind of literature Hmm. even though in cold blood's a very different sort of story oh i also like henderson the rain king was that written by Saul Below? I don't know. Man, that was... I'm not familiar. There was a lot of great shit that I read in high school. What's that about? It was about this dude that went, I guess, uh, <laughs> to Africa and ended up being with the tribe. I mean, this dude was from, like, Western culture or some shit. And <laughs> it was one of those privileged go-find-yourself type of things, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. And ended up becoming, you know, the rain king because he was able to, like... I don't know, trap or kill a lion or some shit. It was really weird, but uh, (laughs) he like goes through that coming of age out there in Africa, almost like on a safari or some shit. So, right. That was good. It was also the inspiration for Rain King by Counting Crows. So, I'm actually going to say people in high school should read more like classical philosophy. I mean, something like Plato would be probably Mm. like a great introduction because like i remember in high school we would read like the odyssey and stuff but sure yeah we did too the greek philosophers are like a much better introduction to style of like it's a really old book (laughs) about greek society or whatever but is that is that going to be the best pedagogy for kids these days i mean oh they've got such a different world I know that they're super <laughs> cheesy, but I remember the the trend kind of started, I think, around the time The Matrix came out. These books would come out and they were the philosophy of The Matrix. And they'd go through the movie, right. not point by point, but say, this is where this 
classical philosophical thought comes from and here's you know here's what aristotle would have said about this particular moral dilemma and mm-hmm. i wonder if that might be a a better way to get through to kids did we even have a philosophy class in high school no and that's i think that's a problem in the high school level like you have to make it to the college level before you're even introduced to concepts such as philosophy or logic or argumentation yeah yeah even just basic logic psychology (laughs) i think psychology is pretty useful sure personally (laughs) Mm. you would i took psychology as a i think a junior in high school and it was yeah and it was man it was basically just a a breakdown of the sort of the history of the different theories as they developed and wasn't I didn't feel like it gave me a ton of like analytical tools necessarily because it was well, very sure. yeah. it was very rote. There wasn't a whole lot of applied psychology. Uh, mm. Any anything applied that we did that was like a lab was talking about basic cognition stuff. So uh, I you know there's like the box that has the mirrors in it and it displaces mm-hmm. your hands and what that does to your ability to proprioceptive and things like that. But it's a big field. Yeah, what's going on? Well. Megan, you asked the question, but you haven't offered an answer oh, yet. So the dispossessed. Oh, the dispossessed. Yeah, I, you know, I would like more sci-fi. I mean, it's funny because the reading, the required reading, like I don't think we ever read a single book that could be anything remotely considered science fiction in the whole history of my entire reading and my entire education. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing that I love about the dispossessed is it's so it's about an anarchist community on the moon and. Shavek is is the main character and he's like a he's a physicist and he's going back to the earth like the planet the home planet they've been separated from each other this diaspora that went to the moon they've been apart for like for over a hundred years would you say that they had been dispossessed uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> And so they've sort of cut off communication almost completely for a hundred years, except for like very little pieces. And he's going back and he's like visiting this planet as like sort of like a diplomat. And so it's going between his experience on essentially a capitalist world, cutting between that and his upbringing and his life on the moon in an anarchist community. Right. So it's like a really powerful way to to like explore different morality and like how that plays out on a community scale and it's just so good for exercising like moral creativity i guess it's like thinking about what the implications of your of your values it's fucking beautiful <laughs> yeah absolutely ursula k Le Guin was so good at that i mean that was and, and that's that's ultimately the the value of science fiction right where we can Mm -hmm. explore the extrapolation of a particular technology or a value system set in the best or worst of situations for it to flourish i I was citing a short story of hers the other day the ones who walk away from omelas which isn't yeah which isn't necessarily a a sci-fi story it's speculative fiction about this town that is perfect Except for this one thing that makes it just rotten to the core. The choice for the people who live there is, do we continue to live in this idyllic society or do we have to acknowledge that there's this fundamental injustice that our society is based on and can I be a part of this anymore? 
uh, it's it's a beautiful story. And listeners, I think you can access the whole text online pretty mm-hmm. easily. You can. Hmm. Yeah. I actually, that was like one of three lessons I remember in all of my high school, in all of my like learning period, my education. Whoa. In sixth grade, we read The Ones Who Walk Away From a Mellis. And I remember, yeah. like I can remember myself in my seat and being like, holy shit, what would I do? <laughs> That's also where I learned about what an orgy was. Ah, nice. It's a rad lesson. <laughs> Fun little piece of trivia about that. As somebody who used to live in Oregon, she lived in Portland, I think. And where she got the name Omelas was seeing uh, how many miles to sign in a rearview mirror that was Salem, Oregon, and saw O M E L A S and was like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. Perfect name for this town. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for indulging me. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And actually, you this touched on another thing that I think could satisfy Brendan as well, which is maybe the novel isn't, it shouldn't be considered the pinnacle of what we're having kids read. You know, there's there's a lot of short fiction out there that you could probably squeeze in a lot more ideas, a lot more dialecticism, dialectic? Dialectics. Dialectical, yeah, by presenting these ideas in in a shorter form where you could handle a new story every week. You know, because, Brendan, you mentioned The Count of Monte Cristo, and once you've read some of The Count of Monte Cristo, you kind of know what it's about. I mean, it was <laughs> it was written as a serial. You are such a millennial. <laughs> it was a it was a serialized it was a serialized novel though. Right. So it was it was written for as a as a newspaper feature that was going to be you know one short chapter every time the newspaper came out, and ultimately it's. I mean, the plot is cool, but it doesn't do anything terribly creative in terms of ideas. It's just like. This guy was wronged, and here's his step-by-step instructions for how you get back at everybody who's ever wronged you. Mm. It's very satisfying. It just isn't necessarily... Oh, that sounds like a terrible book. The blueprint. (laughs) It is a really good book. It's a well-told tale. Gets its hooks into you, and you really go on this journey, and you're kind of discovering it through the process because it kind of shows you the beginning where he's like, is wronged and betrayed, and then it like flashes forward many years, and you're like trying to refigure out what the relationships are and, and stuff yeah. like that as as it goes along. A lot of it's told from the perspective of the people that he's getting revenge on. These people who have gone from being uh. like middle functionaries to being very successful and this mysterious guy shows up and through his machinations they end up meeting their downfall. Sounds like a, a proto breaking bad. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. That's I, how yeah, they should bill like it that. as, yeah. Sure. It's one part that it's like one part Shawshank Redemption to Sure. It's it's literally the prison break scene from The Mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas. Well, because there's an insane portion of his life that he's in jail or whatever oh. and has to escape. For the kids, it. it's kind of like Aladdin, too, when Aladdin goes to jail. <laughs> and then he leaves jail and then he gets all rich and he gets his revenge or whatever. Except way less singing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can only think of Aladdin in terms of Disney. <laughs> so No annoying parrots in this one. Well, 
and it's funny <laughs> probably not like the best message to give to somebody who's in high school but yeah that's what i was thinking but on the other hand it it's so insidious <laughs> on the other hand it's a lot like how high school politics play out oh, and what sure. every kid wishes they could do against their bullies so i don't know Little escapist fiction never hurt anybody. Uh, yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely did. It's like what Donald Trump does to people, except in the book, these people actually deserved it. Oh, man. <laughs> if Donald Trump ever could read, he would like, love that book. Yeah. If someone read it to him like a child, <laughs> he'd be into it. Donald Trump exacts revenge on people that haven't even technically wronged him. Sure. <laughs> No, it's true. He would. Yeah. He'd see himself as as the good guy in that instead of one of the people who oh, he absolutely you know, ruined a bunch of people's lives. <laughs> Spoilers for the Count of Monte Cristo, but it turns out revenge actually isn't that satisfying, and <laughs> you ruin your life doing it. So, oh, that's good. It's all right. Hashtag uh, spoilers. What's funny to me about that story is that it's this really grim story. Chapter by chapter, it's pretty grim, but ultimately he does end up relatively happy at the end of the story contrasted with another thing that uh alexander dumas wrote which was the three musketeers oh yeah which is super happy and hilarious chapter by chapter throughout the whole story and then at the end like half the people you like die and everybody else is just depressed and drunk and impoverished so <laughs> oh dude i just started reading awesome. that <laughs> this is what high schools need martha jones that republican candidate for illinois third district joins us now Mr. Jones, it is shocking to hear how vocally and unapologetically racist you are. Are you a Nazi? Well, for the past uh, 15, 20 years, I have not had anything to do with any uh, national socialist organization on a formal basis. But do you call yourself I a Nazi? I did have a... I, I don't call myself a Nazi. I call myself an American patriot and statesman. Okay, well, let me give our okay. viewers some details about this, just so they can decide for themselves. You've been part of anti-Semitic groups since the 1970s. You go to neo-Nazi rallies. We have pictures of you there. You are, were part of the White People's Party. You dress in Nazi garb, and you celebrate Hitler's birthday. You're a Nazi. So now they're, it's not just ne Nebraska. They're feeling the Illinois. Come on, feel <laughs> the Illinois. Okay, that's a Betty, that's a trash intro or segue, girls, but girls boys. it's gonna work. It's functional. Sorry, Megan, <laughs> but now we're talking about your state. <laughs> What's the Nazi action out there in Illinois? <laughs> uh, you got some good stuff. Can you clarify what you mean by good? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the good Nazi stuff. Yeah, from the perspective no, of the Nazis, it's great. It's going it's, amazing. For us, it's it's that's just right. rich content for. Uh, oh, discussion well, thank friends. God for rich yeah. content. <laughs> That's right. That's all that keeps me going. We're really thriving wait, off wait, the two-party system we, out there. Should we not talk about the actual Nazi who uh, is going to be running for office in Illinois? Because I, I feel like that's sort oh. of in our wheelhouse. Sure, absolutely. Do that's it. what I'm trying to like, uh, tease out have, here. So. I would like to have somebody <laughs> else do it, though. <laughs> oh sure. Well, well. What's the dude's name? It's like Jones. It's Arthur like what? Jones. Arthur Jones. I okay. So. See you. You know. You you probably hang out with him. Right. You, you oh my no, god. Just, well, so this I'm is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is the funniest part. Is that the reason that this guy is running is because he's running in the Illinois third district, which is a heavily Democratic district. 
So basically, no Republican wants to run because they're going to lose. And so literally anybody who's out there can say, well, I'm going to run as the Republican and I'm the only one in the race really who's who's running at this point. And, and yeah, at this point, he literally is the only one who's running. Right. And then there's no incentive well, to be the that, second person to be like, well, I'm going to run against the Nazi as a Republican or whatever. And be like, why would you even put yourself in that position where you have to like hang out with this Nazi all the time and like have debates with him and stuff? Like, what do you have to gain? <laughs> well, You're you, still going to lose. You you're, you have to spend money to just narrowly beat this dude and then spend more money to lose to the next person. There's no point to it. And that's the whole – that's kind of the problem with it is that because the two parties – have started to view this as a zero-sum game. There's like, well, there's no point in investing in this area, you know, investing in communicating our message here. So then you've got little lane, you know, fast lanes for do, you know, the fringe to jump into. Yeah, which is, uh, then- I mean, that's that's kind of surprising though, right? Because that's the strategy that we expect from Democrats who look at. I mean, basically, they just want to run people in right. safe districts and right. to the complete yep. exclusion of uh, more progressive candidates in contested areas or anybody in like a heavily contested area. <laughs> but yes. it seems like the Republicans have historically been a lot better about that, at least identifying places where we could start to build some clout for the party by running uh, you know, running for for any local office in any mm-hmm. state, or I guess this is a this is a national congressional seat. But I think the principle applies. I, I'm amazed that just to save face, they haven't put forward some local dog catcher who is a conservative but not a Nazi who can run against this guy <laughs> and endorse him and give him like a hundred bucks and be like, okay, you're at least as well funded as your opponent. Go to. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I don't even think that that would be as well as funded. I mean, and that's the other problem is that you have to be like, okay, I'm going to blow this big wad of cash or raise this big wad of cash, spend my time raising money just to do this thing that I may not even have a chance at once I get out of the primary. I mean, I guess I'm just talking about the optics of, you know, there are all these national uh, news articles written about like, Look at who the Republicans are running in Illinois 3. And there was a really easy way to get around that for them was just find somebody who knew they weren't going to win and just be like, look, you're our candidate. If if you're okay with it, here's a hundred bucks. Buy an ad. You're the one who has the endorsement of the party. And then we can just say, like, no, the Nazi doesn't represent us. Yeah, Megan, you live around here. (laughs) You should run as the other opposing Republican. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. I I totally lost track of the conversation because my cat's butt was facing you. <laughs> right camera. in the camera. That was great. That's a good campaign slogan. I think it could. I think this is going yeah. places. Oh, so what, what's happening? I'm running against him. Yeah, you're you're as, running as a Republican. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. be running for office as a Republican uh, in Illinois three. It's the only way I to save America like... from the Nazis. <laughs> Like, Man, what would stuff- that even? How would that even? Like, how would that even play out, though? Because I am nowhere near a Republican. Like, what would happen? I mean, hopefully this guy isn't. I mean, near. I mean, near is a relative term, but like, hopefully any normal Republican would say, like, near. this guy's nowhere near me. I'm just a normal Republican <laughs> who loves going to church Wait, or whatever. How does that work? If somebody wants to run for office, 
can they just say I'm running on this ticket? I mean, you have to get signatures and stuff sure. for it, right? But other than yeah. that, is and the party they, and they did. is the party able to say like, no, they can't run as a Republican? No, absolutely not. There's a woman no. running in Nebraska as a Republican for governor uh, in the primary to be the nominee instead of the current governor, Pete Ricketts, which is never going to happen. But she's right. running as a Republican mm. on the platform of legalized marijuana. And that's it, basically. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. And they can't mm. stop that from happening. So that that's which is fun. actually the better conservative position. I mean, if we're it, like libertarian conservatist <laughs> right. position, that's that is the much better position. Well, I mean, it it was always annoying to me when the Democrats would just kind of glaze over those areas, because to me, I just felt like, yeah, I know you're going to spend a lot of money in a place that's conservative and you may not win, but your message should be that what we're offering is good for all Americans, including the ones that are, you know, in the middle too. So, right. Well, I mean, there was just, it further proves that that's not a party that's really invested in my day to day life. No, for sure. And there was that, that great, article recently in The Intercept and a a bunch of other people covered it. So I'm not going to go into much detail, but just talk about how the the party apparatus of the Democrats absolutely favors anybody who can raise a bunch of money from corporate donors or like rich friends. And they push the same kind of stupid, just this milquetoast faux progressive agenda in every race. Right. Don't want to alienate too many people, you know. Um, yeah, that's right. We're we're gonna try to pick up all the the Panera bread moms for every like working class voter we lose or whatever. Um, Panera right. bread moms. That's a big demo. That's a big <laughs> Midwestern demo. You may not have that out there. You got some different demographics. Yeah, they would have called them runs of moms, but that just didn't connect with you know <laughs> people out of Pennsylvania. So uh, that would work. Uh, that would work so well in Nebraska, though. People are crazy about their runzas. Yeah. Right. Megan, have you ever had a no, runza? Runza? What is, what is that? <laughs> it's a... What are they called? Is it a pierogi? It's basically a pierogi, I think. It's like dough wrapped around beef and cabbage and other stuff. And Yeah, it's basically mm. like... Um, I've had pierogies. It, there's a fast food chain in Nebraska and a couple other states, but mostly in Nebraska for runza. And they have burgers, but they also have this pierogi type thing. That's kind of like it's kind of like a hot pocket almost, but you know a little oh, better I than better than that. But <clears throat> oh yeah, way better than that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and they sell people, them at the football. People games. from out of town think it's extremely weird. <laughs> I fucking love hot pockets. So <laughs> right, all right. Well, runza. Since we know that you listen to the show, um, we are willing to do sponsorships, so please be in touch <laughs> via, via our Twitter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You fucking sellouts. <laughs> it's local. Hey, it's local, I'll, okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll, support, I'll support a locally owned Sell out business. local. You bet. Also, they're delicious. <laughs> so, yeah, Megan, any For any sure. closing thoughts on on your uh, Nazis running in your local area? On my opponent. Yeah. My new political opponent. On your future Republican (laughs) primary opponent. God, can you guys imagine? Can you imagine me in that? I I am not a politician. I don't think I think (laughs) I would be a terrible politician. Well, but you're not a a Nazi, though, so that's a plus, though. Also, also, isn't that sort of I'd undoubtedly be better. Isn't that the problem with the conventional wisdom these days that like we know what a politician is supposed to look like. And so those of us who for years have 
looked at politics and gone, I'd love to get in there, but I'd never be successful because yeah. I actually want to, you know, call bullshit bullshit when I see it. But now we've mm. got well, President Donald yes. Trump and an actual Nazi running for office in Illinois. And it's like, well, maybe maybe that conventional wisdom's <laughs> out the window at this point. Maybe we can be bomb That's throwers. Fair. Maybe we can, you know, you know drop a I, yeah. you know, drop a swear word on the, the local news and people are gonna go, you know what, Megan just tells it like it is. <laughs> you know, here's right. the thing. Here's the thing it. though, is that fundament like I'm an anarchist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe the state. I don't, I don't, I find, like, I, I, I am glad that there are people who do care about the state as it is and are looking to operate within the system to try and make it less horrible. I. Megan, your problem is messaging. You're not saying anything <laughs> that does not sound yeah. Republican. Say you're pro freedom. All you have to do is say it the right way. You just have to say like you. Oh, here's shit. what here's what's coming out of Megan's mouth to my ears right now. She's saying, "I want to tear down the government." Here's what yeah, that's is a, coming you could win this back out of my no. ears. No. Here's, here's what's no. coming into my ears and then leaving my mouth as Republican speak that oh, you would God. use. I you need to restrict. Gonna- we need to restrict government. And bring it, reduce it to the smallest form to add true freedom to everyone. That sounds like uh, anarchy to me. Shit, you could, man. It, you could literally Can fake I, all those people well, out. But here's what I would do but, is what I, I would. Hmm, <laughs> are you saying I, <laughs> well, I, could, I could fake it until I'm in there and then I'm like, all right. You're not even faking it because you're still being genuine to your ideals. You're just saying it in a language that uh, they assume is for them. It's more of a more of a sin of omission, uh-uh. really. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But because <laughs> I'm like above all, probably I would do everything in my power to dismantle the military-industrial complex within anything near me. That would be, if there's anything That's I could called do. cutting spend, it's called reining in excessive Seriously. government spending. It, for the right. one Seriously. thing you that like they this, want Megan. to put all their money into. Just the like one thing that they fucking love war. Americans fucking <laughs> love war so much. Oh, it's great TV. It could be spun, Megan. The question is, do you have it in you to spin it? You know, no, I, I mean, don't. I don't have all. it within me to spin it. This is what I was talking about. Oh, I'd, like so I'd be work. a terrible politician because I am horrible liar. Terrible liar. <laughs> you know what's funny is I would attack that dude. I would be, you know, because he said the Holocaust is history's blackest lie. I'd be like, oh, why does that lie have to be black? Why can't it be a white lie? You know. <laughs> I'd be like, you Chuck, freaking racist. I think racist. you should run. I think you should run. <laughs> I think you should it would move be, up here and run. It would be the it would be the most miraculous trolling victory that was done <laughs> just just with the intent of performance art to make fun of somebody, and it translated into me leading people. <laughs> so, oh my god! That would why not? Be Let's do it. Really awesome! I would fucking love that. I would work. That's the I would be your campaign machine. manager. Excellent! Excellent. <laughs> We have the infrastructure. All right, Chuck, Let's do Chuck it. Chuck 2020, you heard it here first. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh. Well, that's not high enough. So maybe Delightful. we should take a break and come back and talk about some of the literature that would be showcased yeah. in my reign 
when I, Perfect. When I make education great yeah. again. Well, yeah, once we fix education so that it doesn't just pump out like Nazi sympathizers, you know, maybe we yeah. we we could fix this. It's doable. Once we get Megan and Chuck in office, we're gonna make some changes. Oh God. We'll fix it with a list of literary or literary works when we come back. <laughs> we would just you gotta, you gotta start small. <laughs> Okay, oh, that's awesome. We should keep this okay. rolling. Keep, yeah, and just keep do keep rolling. Joint. Here, I've got a, I've got, okay. I've got a real quick way to uh, do like a, a super brief high note. Okay, wonderful. Um, okay, all right. So, real brief high note before we go out. You know, we we spent a lot of this discussion talking about uh, the the Nazis and the milquetoast Dems and everybody who are running and the problems with local elections and the two party system, but uh, there, there was a really nice piece out of Missouri where uh, the Democrats won in a special election a state legislature seat uh, in the, the Missouri House of Representatives on Tuesday. Um, the, the thing about it is, OK, so they elected a Democrat, but he won in a district that went for Trump 61 to 33 in the 2016 election. So if we're talking about, you know, sweeping the house, a a blue tsunami that's coming, uh, Megan and Chuck's chances of running for office. uh, This is, this is a nice little bellwether here that even these uh, very conservative suburbs are starting to turn against the conservative agenda. Well, Dude, I'm not riding the blue wave. Yeah. I'm making that wave purple. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make purple rain. I'm going to rain down nice. purple. There we go. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's funny too because yeah. we talk about like, oh, I'm not qualified or like, oh, I have to do so much work. But in some of these places, all you have to do is like get your name on the ballot and like that's it. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, you well, that's a, that's a name with a thing next to it. Like, done. Right. <laughs> yep. It must be official. That's like being verified or something. <laughs> if you've got shit next to your name. <laughs> there you go. If only you had an Seems admiral. Classy. If only you were an admiral in the Nebraska Navy. You know, they'd yeah. look like, oh, he was a service member. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 We should go out with some uh <laughs> with some village people music or something. Perfect. <laughs> I'm gonna insert some of that in some there. Little in the Navy <laughs> action. Oh yeah, you know it. You know it. <laughs> well also thanks for joining us again megan it's always a pleasure to have you on the show yeah, always a pleasure <laughs> to be here except for when you imply that i'm a nazi not no into that <laughs> not you, you into can't that. you, you just, can't just throw an exception on the end just this is just, just opposition <laughs> this is just opposition research for you so that you know like that's right you know, we're we're working on your your campaign. You know, people are going to say, "Well, is she a Nazi too? She's running against a Nazi," and we'll we'll have our answers then. Like you you mm. you've gone through the crucible now, and we're we're, we're ready to you go know, live. One thing that I'm pretty sure Americans do not like more well, they don't like socialists more than they don't like Nazis. But they also I don't, don't know like about that more than they don't like Nazis. I I think Nazis uh, are still the bottom. Not, I think you got the leg up on. <gasps> yeah, and hardly anybody knows anything oh, about question. anarchists right. because the last time they were super active was in the early 1900s. So, right. other than that, well, I mean, basically, there. you're just going to have to convince them that you don't buy all of your clothes at Hot Topic, and that's going to, you know, <laughs> then they'll be open to like, oh, that's what I thought an anarchist was was like a teenager who 
you know, smoked smoked cigarettes and like spray painted badly drawn A's on power converters. I don't or know. I don't know. I told my mom one time that I was an anarchist and she cried. She cried about it. <laughs> well, your mom your mom knows what that is, though. I mean, most people are probably going to be like, no, I think I've heard of that word. No, she does not. I... <laughs> she does not know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is the biggest problem. <laughs> she started praying She's just for like, you. that doesn't yeah, sound she, great. She made me promise, or she tried to make me promise to not tell people that. So, sorry, mom. <laughs> oh, no. <Uh-oh>. Don't. <laughs> It's all over the internet. You listen to I this like, podcast, Mom, Megan's am, mom. We're sorry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna promise you that. That is ridiculous. <laughs> you realize your mom is a liquid flannel oh, listener. Die one hard. of the earliest. Yeah. Every episode. She was one of the first flannel heads. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> that's who we. That's who we keep getting those. Uh, those horny iTunes reviews from. Huh? Man, you okay, know I what? I didn't put it together. You know what? No, no. If this were all true, I would be fucking so happy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we know that the opposite is the actual reality. Yeah, this might be this might be the episode to start, though. We can we can change this, you guys. Yeah, I mean, she she uh, got yeah. a shout out on the show, so I mean, like, she's famous now. Megan Megan's mom is now famous. <laughs> That's right. Everybody likes that. Yeah. Megan's well, mom. she'll have to get a Twitter account. That's right. Do speaking not of Twitter accounts, my mom to have a Twitter account. Holy shit, that would be a nightmare. That would be great. But then she could would, hit us she... up on our Twitter, which is liquid underscore flannel. <laughs> That's right. That is a great. Segue. And where can they find you, Megan? Yeah, where can your mom friend uh, you? I am at. Uh, I'm not saying now. What? <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> he he said, "Where would my mom find me?" Oh, yes, yeah, so yeah. she can, so she well, can follow you. How on about Twitter. this? Where wouldn't your mom find you? But everyone else would. Oh, thank you, Chuck. <laughs> I am <laughs> meme witch with witch with a double V instead of a, a double U. Mm. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. That word. That's right. <laughs> I said In it right. French, it's double yeah. V, which yeah. does actually mean double V, which would make it. It's so much more confusing for you. Oh my god, that would be so fucked up. Well, what do they call me in French? Ve. That's good. Well, I'll that tell you it. what they call me in French. They call me at Shaggy Two Trope. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, what, what do they call you in French? They, they call me Lay Brendan Williams with one L. <laughs> with right. cheese. And uh, Sacre Bleu, Matt, where are you at? I'm at <laughs> Matt Le Mans, which means Matt the Great in French. Wow. That got real. W. Terrible. Damn, yeah. you know what? Like, I really... Yeah. I want to start following French Twitter accounts now. I bet that's awesome. Yeah. I, th- I think French you Twitter. mean freedom Twitter accounts. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we still Small hated Pelier. France. Now that, now my that parents, our Republican my parents president again. Really went with that for like a long fucking time. By the nice. way, the Freedom Prize. <laughs> freedom Prize. That was like oh, six freedom months. Prize. It was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, the funniest <laughs> part too is that people in France were probably like, "Yes, no, please don't associate your yeah, like disgusting food with with France, please." Like, yes, please take ownership of your disgusting French fries. Do your parents? Right. Do your parents also still avoid eating hamburgers because of the association with the Kaiser? No. <laughs> no, my mom cried when she found out I was a vegetarian. Uh, oh, well, she almost, she almost did. She didn't actually. Man, 
It sounds like your mom cried a lot growing up <laughs> you know, for you. <laughs> I was I was a handful. What can I say? <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, this episode's been a handful, but thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week. <laughs>